This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why you might keep a stress diary. And we'll also talk to the terrific podcast host, Jordan Herbinger of the Jordan Herbinger Show podcast about how to build stronger connections with other people. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, and she's one of the people with whom I know I have a very strong relationship. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and uh, Gretchen, yes, I agree. We have a strong relationship, which is good, because otherwise we would not be able to do this podcast together. That's right. Now, before we leap into the Try This at Home for this week, we have an update from a listener um, related to her word for 2020. Yes, this comes from Mary. She says, my word for 2020 is finish. I realized that a lot of my stress comes from a never-ending to-do list and projects that never move to completion. By choosing this word, I can focus on not only getting some things done, but also taking a year to try and put this habit in place. The other meaning to the word for me is the idea of putting a finish on something to make it look better. I have had some health issues, and it has been a while since I've looked at myself and like what I see. Just like a tired old piece of furniture gets a new finish and becomes like new, seeing this word reminds me to do the things I need to do to help myself become shiny and new. To hold myself accountable to my word, I'm an obliger who goes into rebellion very easily. I have created a collage. I'm not artistic, but I've recently found art to be a great way to process my day. For each task I finish, I add a petal to the flower. I also have book flowers where I write the book's title on the petal after I finish it. When I have finished five things, I add a butterfly to the collage. Without making a 20 for 20 list, this also ties into that. Hopefully, I will have at least 20 petals on my flower. 
I hope by the end of the year, this page is crowded and overflowing so that I can look back and see what a productive and fulfilling year I had, which will reinforce the beauty of finishing things. I think this is such a great idea. First of all, it's very creative. It's super enjoyable. It gives her that feeling of kind of the gold star and the completion. It's like, I can't wait to add that petal. Like, oh, now I have five petals. I get the butterfly. I get to write down the book title every time I finish a book. It's visual. I think when we when we give ourselves kind of visual reinforcement for mm-hmm. what we've done, this is also colorful and beautiful. And I think sometimes people kind of rebel against the 20 for 20 list. It starts to feel burdensome. Like, and it's sort of like the yeah. whole point of the 20 for 20 list is supposed to I get know. you out of the New Year's <laughs> resolution problem. It's like, exactly. you know, you don't want to go out of the frying pan into the fire. And so this is more open-ended. It feels more like what you want. And yet there is that feeling of accountability, too. Well, and just the act of doing it is sort of probably meditative. Yes. So just as she said, the act of doing the art yes. in itself is useful. Yeah. So I think this is fantastic. This is great. I love to hear how people adapt these ideas and like make them their own. It's just endlessly fascinating. It really is. Okay, so now try this at home this week is to keep a stress diary. So Gretchen, what I love about this is you always hear about keeping a gratitude journal, and this is kind of the opposite of that. (laughs) What a stress diary is what I would call the opposite of a gratitude journal, (laughs) and it goes to the you know the true rule that. The opposite of a truth is also true. Yes, yes, absolutely. And the reason to keep a stress diary is that it can be helpful in helping us figure out what is stressing us out, not generally what's stressing us out, but specifically what's stressing us out as we go through our days. And then by helping us figure that out, then it's going to make it a lot clearer about how we can make helpful changes. Yeah. And Gretchen, it reminds me of writing down worries in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. So you remember I talked about laying awake at night, stressed out, Um, And a very nice listener sent me a little flashlight and pad of paper and a pen and said, if you write your what's stressing you out down, you'll then be able to sleep because you'll have a record of it. Right. And I have found that to be really helpful. And when I'm really tired, I don't even write it down. I just sort of make a motion in the air like I'm writing it down. Oh, really? Sometimes that works. (gasps) So I do think there's something about writing down what's stressing you out that yes, it's it's great to be able to recognize patterns, but it's also just great to get it out of your brain and onto paper. Absolutely. I think both those things. And I also think, you know, one of the problems with saying like I'm so stressed out is that stress is such a general term. It's right. like and and it's like, well, my work is stressing me out. Well, is it because you have a a difficult boss? Is it because you don't like your coworker? Is it that you have, you're doing the work of two people? Is it that there's an evil donut bringer who's sabotaging your healthy eating? Is it that you're inside with no natural light? Is it that you have no time to see your friends? Is it that your commute is really horrible? It's like, there's so many things. And, it, mm-hmm. and, and, but I think having a diary, like, and like you say, seeing patterns, you might be like, wow, I really, this, I see what the hot spots are. I see what's causing me stress. Cause I think sometimes it's easy just to get overwhelmed by feelings and not really pe- pick it apart. And I'm reminded of a, a good friend of mine who um, she has a really intense job. So does her husband. And she had t- when, when her two sons were younger, she was just really stressed all the time. And she felt like kind of her, her work-life balance, you know, there is no work-life balance. But anyway, it was all sort of out of control. And then she realized when she really kind of analyzed her day 
that what the problem was is they were having really horrible mornings. Like, mm. they were racing around. Her kids are very close in age. They needed a lot of the same kind of support. It was just she was spending all her time yelling. And she works really hard. She didn't spend all that much time with her kids. So she was feeling like, boy, I spend this huge percentage of my actual face-to-face time with my children, losing my temper, (laughs) nagging, and getting annoyed with them. And so because she realized, really, this is a morning problem. What I have here is Mm. a morning problem. I have a, a problem that lasts for like 45 minutes. She realized that if she got up a half an hour earlier, we've talked about this, sometimes getting up earlier so you can ease into your day or like get yourself ready before you have to Mm -hmm. help other people that can just lower the stress level. And she said that once she realized that was the problem, it wasn't that hard to fix it. And then it it just dramatically brought her stress level down, but it took her a while to figure that out. And so I think keeping a stress diary can help accelerate that kind of recognition so that we identify hot zones, and then once they're identified, that's when it's we can start thinking about, okay, well, now what am I going to do about it? What I like about it, Gretchen, is just, it's like, we're all sort of trying to be like, no, everything's wonderful, and, <laughs> and um, I'm so grateful for my life, and and it's just sometimes nice to be like, I, I'm mad about this. Right. I, this is sucks, you right. know, so I, I appreciate that. So the question is, how do you do it in a way that itself, you know, feels manageable? You don't want to get stressed by your stress diary. Right, exactly. Um, so one thing, that I think it is, like, anytime when you're trying to do monitoring, it's better to try to do it as close to when something is happening as possible rather than trying to cast your mind back because that often you don't remember what happened as well as you think and there's sort of recency Mm. bias and all that. So I would say if you can keep your diary as close to the time as whatever's happening or if that's just not realistic that you would write it down kind of as it's happening, maybe pick several points during the day, obvious points like when I sit down to my desk at work, when I get, you know, I'm getting ready to go to lunch, you know, whatever throughout the day. Or what sometimes people do is they will send, they will have like a reminder on their phone that just says stress diary. And then you just Mm -hmm. write down, well, what, since the last time I got a reminder, let me just reflect on, you know, and have it come every three or four hours so that then it just prompts you to think, well, is there something that I need to record in the stress diary? And, and, you know, and sometimes I think it's situations. Sometimes it might be people. Like mm-hmm. a pattern might not emerge until you've been doing it for a couple of weeks or a couple of months when you start seeing like, wow, why every other Saturday yeah. is super stressful. You know, what is it about that Saturday? Okay, now I think I'm starting to see what mm-hmm. might be going on under the surface. And you don't have to keep it forever. It's no. just like keep it as long as it's useful. Yeah, keep it as long as it's useful. When I'm reminded in my 12 personal commandments, one of my commandments is to identify the problem. Be, which sounds so easy, but so often I think that when once you really see a problem clearly, a lot of times we can generate solutions, um, but you sort of need to have someone point a finger at like what the actual problem might be. Absolutely. And by the way, if this is interesting to you and you have stress in your life, you might want to... <laughs> I'm sure that applies to nobody. Yeah. You might want to listen to our very special episode 240, um, which was the emergency kit for anxiety, worry, and stress. Yeah, I will post a link to that in the show notes. As always, you can go to happiercast.com 
slash 264. This is episode 264 for that. And, you know, let us know if you do try it. If the stress diary works for you to um, deal with your stress, let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Coming up, a happiness hack that seems too good to be true. But first is break. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. Okay, Gretchen, it is time for this week's happiness hack, and it's one... um, that seems almost magical um, in that it saves time, energy, money, and the planet. Yes. Well, I was startled to realize, to discover, to learn that it turns out that we do not need to rinse dishes before we put them in the dishwasher. In fact, that is not a good idea at all. Now, it is important to scrape off the larger pieces of leftover food because that can clog the pipes. But I mean, we've been ju- rinsing them too. You know, yes, we like of scrape, 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 rinse, rinse, rinse. Kind of like take a take a take a sponge and you know get it all off. Well, it turns out that because of improvements that have been made to dishwasher technology and also to detergents, you might actually get a worse result if you rinse the dishes because of how that sends a miscue about how much cleaning is needed. It turns out that you get cleaner dishes and you also save a tremendous amount of water. Because you might use up to 6,000 gallons per year if you're pre-rinsing, 
which is not necessary. Uh, now, we should mention, Gretch, this is for new, newer dishwashers. So if you have an old dishwasher, this may not be the case. Right. So just experiment. Give it a couple times and see how it how it does. But I feel like this is one of those things where we're like actually going out of our way and probably nagging yes. family members and everything and feeling like it's somehow better to do it that way. But the National Resource Defense Council says that you're actually better off using a dishwasher than hand washing. Because a dishwasher uses just three to five gallons of water per load. But if you are a hand washer, you use about 27 gallons of water and a lot more electricity. And so, yeah, you want to see if you've got an old dishwasher, you want to see if this is true, but it's worth the experiment. And if you have a newer dishwasher, really, really give it a go because it seems like it's completely unnecessary and actually not even just unnecessary but worse. But it is funny, Gretchen. It's not easy to make the switch no. because you told me this, you know, some days ago. And every time I'm loading the dishwasher, I'm like, don't rinse, don't <laughs> rinse. And then I rinse. I know. So I'm having a hard time because it is so ingrained. It feels like I'm doing something you know, naughty to just put a plate <laughs> in the dishwasher. So it's it's going to take some time to change this habit. Yeah, I know. It's funny. People are very passionate about how they, I've learned that over the years, especially yes. writing about habits for better than before. Like people are really, really, really committed to their, <laughs> to their dishwashing yes. ways. Um, I will post a couple links to articles about this. If you and I'm questioners, I know you want the data um, about that. But again, you know, just try it for a week or something and see how, see how it goes. Because um, you could end up saving yourself a huge amount of time and energy and the planet a lot, lot of water by skipping that step. Good to know. And now for an interview. We are so excited to be talking to Jordan Harbinger. Now, I have known Jordan Harbinger for a long time. He was one of the first podcasters that I ever connected with when we started Happier. And Elizabeth, I'm trying to remember, did we meet him at the very first podcast movement conference that we went to? We may have. That was in Dallas, and we met so many (laughs) amazing podcasters. It was like, you know, head spinning. Yeah, yeah. His podcast is called The Jordan Harbinger Show. It's terrific. It was listed by Apple as one of the most downloaded news shows of 2018. On it, he talks to some of the world's top performers, all kinds of people, including me, I have to say. I've been on his podcast. He is such a great interviewer. Um, He really gets insights and perspectives that are extremely concrete and valuable, I think, to listeners. Gretch, one thing Jordan studied a lot is how to connect better with other people. And I could really use some pointers on this. Um, we'll call it networking, even though we all hate the phrase networking, <laughs> but that's kind of what it is. Yeah. I don't have an agent right now. And um, usually I have an agent to help me get work. Don't have one right now. Because, so of, that the, means, because of the what's going on with the, with the uh, writer's union and... Hollywood. Yes, there's a dispute between the WGA and the ATA, so most television writers don't have uh, agents right now. But that means it's more important than ever that I'm connecting with new people and keeping in touch with people from my past and having all my ties active. So we thought it would be a great idea to have Jordan give us some practical, concrete things we can all do to strengthen our network of relationships. Um, And I will be taking them back and sharing them with Sarah and putting them into practice. Excellent. 
Hello, Jordan. Hey, it's great to talk to you again. Hi, Jordan. Same. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. So you have spent so much time thinking about and studying this question of how we deepen and broaden our relationships with other people. And we thought you're the guy to give us some pointers about how we can make this just part of our ordinary lives. Sure. So there's a phrase called dig the well before you're thirsty. And that's a, <laughs> I think that's a book title from like the 90s. And, and so it's not my term. And even he probably took it from somebody else. I assume that's <laughs> that's how that goes. But the idea is very sound, and it keeps us remembering that for most of us, we are not doing that, at least in my case and for a lot of people that I teach, even all the way up to high levels. Like when I go teach this at, let's say, an intelligence agency, people whose lives depend on keeping in touch, they're always like, I could do a better job of that. So it's, it's something we can forgive ourselves for not leaning into too much most of the time. But the problem is that the effect of it is really negative. Those are the folks that say things like, hey, we should get coffee. And then you show up for that. And then suddenly they need you to write something for their book. And they want you to post something on social media. Mm -hmm. And they need this and that from you. And they genuinely are probably pretty sorry that they've done a bad job of keeping in touch. But the way that that makes us feel is that we're kind of a transactional part of their life and they Mm. literally don't think about us until they need something, which, I mean, it's true. That's why (laughs) they haven't kept in touch because that's actually true. Mm. Oh, and Jordan, I'm wondering, how do we even get over the sort of initial networking hump? Like, I think a lot of us feel like even trying to network is uh, tainted. Like, we're we're being selfish or manipulative and even attempting to network. How do we get past that block. It's very true. Networking itself is a dirty word. And I totally understand why, because when we think of net, when most people think of networking, they think, okay, I'm going to drive across town, find parking, go to like the learning annex and sit in a circle (laughs) of folding chairs. And then some, some guy's going to give me like a stale cookie and some Kool-Aid and be like, Hey, everyone introduce themselves. And 10 minutes later, you have 8,000 business cards for financial planners and stuff or like landscapers. And you're like running away from that place as fast as you can. You're like, I'm never networking again. And I don't want to be a networker because look at how annoying these people are. But they're doing it wrong, and so they've tainted the whole idea, but they're looking for what's in it for me, and they're in, they're in kind of like this ABC always be closing mode, mm-hmm. and mm. that scares people away. It's not a relationship-based mode. It's a what can I get from other people mode, and that's why normal people who aren't sort of selfish or always be closing narcissistic ty- types, we run away from networking as a principle or as a concept because it makes us feel disgusting and we don't want to look disgusting for other people. So instead of fixing it, we actually just run the other way. And that's problematic because you end up with the same problem, which is, geez, my network isn't what it could be or uh, my the, the relationship health that I have with people in my network isn't what it could be because I don't want to seem gross. But it's it's kind of like not going to the gym at all ever because you don't want to get hurt or you don't want to feel uh-huh. sore. It's like, well, okay, but now you're out of shape and that that's the result you get. So we have to fix the networking idea 
and do it right so that it doesn't seem disgusting in our heads when we think about it, not just avoid it altogether. Well, one thing I found is that if you say, oh, this person is a great networker, it makes them sound very kind of manipulative. But if you say that person's a great connector, then you Mm -hmm. think, oh, this person is generous and like knows everybody and is really kind of a good person to talk to. Um, So sometimes just a, a vocabulary change can be really helpful. You're right. When we label it differently, when we label the concepts differently, mm-hmm. it does sound better. So that to me is an indication that the problem is in the language in our association with the language, not in the actual product of what we're doing, not in the result of what we get. And so we have to be really careful that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, because relationships and networks and being well connected, no one's, very few people are going to say that that's problematic in itself. Now, what people will say is, oh, I guess it's all about who you know, not what you know. But those are the people that got passed up for a promotion. There's always stank on the end of that phrase, right? No one's ever like, well, I guess it's all about who you know. Great job, connector. That that never Mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. It's always, always, always negative. If that's an unfair advantage that people have, we should be seeking that advantage for ourselves because it really Mm. doesn't come at anyone else's expense. It's really a net positive. Right, right. Because you're getting access to them and what they know, and they're getting access to you and what you know. So this is really good for everyone. So what are some of the, what are some sort of practical things that we can all try to incorporate into our everyday lives to make this more systematic and natural? Sure. So there's a few drills that I have that I do regularly and that I recommend for people, especially getting started. So I know that a lot of folks go, uh, okay, so where do I start? I can't just go to 7,000 networking events. You know, I have kids, I have a job. I can't just spend all five days a week going to mixers. I would say, Mm -hmm. one, you're off the hook for that. Don't go to any networking event that is not curated. And what I mean by that is if there's some sort of mixer and anyone can go, don't go because that's going to be full of people that are like, I need something right now. Let me go to this networking mixer. So that's where you end up at the YMCA with a handful of business cards from from used car salesmen and financial planners that that started last week, you know, real estate agents. That's not where you want to go. You want to go to curated events that make sense. So if you're a writer and you're struggling to sell your book, go to authors groups that are by hopefully by invite only based on people that you know uh, who are doing that, because that way you're at least getting sort of relevant industry connections and not just sort of like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. The second thing that I recommend people do is if you haven't, if you feel rusty and you feel like, where do I even begin? I haven't done any quote unquote networking and I don't even know the strength of my relationship set right now. I call this exercise layoff lifelines and basically make a list of, let's say 10 or 15 people where you're thinking, man, I really should have stayed in touch better with this person. Mm. So like your old boss, Uh, your Mm -hmm. old boss, uh, the neighbor that you had for a while who owned their own company, uh, Mm. the, the guidance counselor, depending on how old you are, the guidance counselor you had from university that said like, hey, keep in touch. I'd love to hear where you end up because those people are generally well connected. They know pretty much every Mm. graduate of a university and what that person was majoring in. Like that's literally their job. And some professor that you connected well with but lost touch with after you got your first job or something like that. These people, these are the people where, and here's how you find out who they are. If you got laid off today 
and, and you were like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Yes, you'd probably call your parents and your brother or something like that. But <laughs> who else is who else is on that list? Mm. Right? Who else is on that list of people where you would call them for advice? Make that list now and then reach out to those people now while you don't have an agenda mm-hmm. other than rekindling that relationship. Mm. What's also nice is it's the added benefit of connecting with people who you like. And that even just has an emotional benefit beyond the networking. Yeah, you, you're getting a dopamine hit regardless, right? It's somebody who says, look, I'm really busy and I don't have time to write back, but I just wanted to say, great to hear from you. I saw on Facebook that you had a kid, congrats, parenting's the best, TTYL. That's fine. That's better than nothing, you know? That right. still works. You still get that little hit of of, uh, of oxytocin or whatever it is that goes off in your brain when you talk to somebody that you, you liked and you find out they don't secretly hate you <laughs> or so, whatever. Right, right. Now, I know from talking to you that your tendency is questioner, and so that makes perfect sense because you're like, why do we need to do this, and how do we do this in the most efficient and practical way? <laughs> um, I like the way you like, really turned it into um, these kind of concrete ideas that we can follow. In that spirit, do you have a try this at home tip that you'd suggest to listeners for like something kind of very practical and concrete that they can do to 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 work on their connecting with other people? Yeah, I, I sure do. So in addition to the layoff lifelines exercise, which we just did, I would say something that's even easier and lower commitment, although debatably not as effective, but you have to do it every day. This is called Connect Four, and what I what I do every day around, I'd say 10 a.m. Pacific time, because I don't want to catch somebody at like 7 o'clock in the morning thinking they were in New York when they were in Hawaii, or, or 5 a.m., you know, if they were traveling. So every day on my, I've set this on my calendar, every day around 10 a.m., I get out my phone and I, I open up my text messaging app, and I scroll all the way to the bottom. And because they're assorted by recency, the threads are assorted by recency, I will find threads that are two, three, four years old at the bottom. And these are people where it's like, hey, Jordan, great meeting you. And you had lunch with them once after a conference in San Diego and you just were rushed off to the airport and you didn't save their number. And you realize, like, oh, that's right. I forgot to save Tom's number. So you can send a re-engagement text that's something like, hey, Tom, Jordan Harbinger here. We haven't spoken since... FinCon 2016 down in San Diego. I hope you're doing well. The latest with me is I had a baby and I'm working on uh, another book. What else is new? What's what's up with you? I haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, no rush on the reply. I, you're probably very busy. And that last bit is important. So I'll, I'll break down the script a little. First, you start with their name because otherwise they assume it's a mass text. Like, hey, friend, that, that's not mm. going to serve you well because people will think you're sending it to a thousand people. And you use your own name because if I get a text from somebody and I don't know who they are or they sign it like John, I'm like, well, who the heck is this, right? Mm -hmm. And so the easiest thing for me isn't to awkwardly say, hey, I'm so sorry, this is awkward, I don't remember you. The thing I do is I just ignore it because then there are no consequences at all and I spend zero time getting back to somebody that I can't identify. So make sure you use their name and then use your full name on uh, hoping that they remember you and then ideally tell them where you met last or where you saw them last. Like last I saw you, we were sitting next to each other on a flight to Hawaii. You know, then they'll go like, oh, I think it was this person. That's much better. That increases your response rate dramatically. The other element of the script that's important is sharing something about yourself, not just asking what's new with them because that raises the stakes a little bit. 
also at the end of the script, there is no rush on the reply. I realize you're probably very busy. That's important. Or you can say everyone's busy. The real, what we're trying to do here is take the, take the urgency out of the text because what salespeople do is they build urgency. They say something like, get back to me as soon as you can. Mm -hmm. I have an amazing opportunity I want to talk to you about. And then you're like, great. Okay. So I get, let me guess, I get to sell your stupid overpriced shampoos, you know, no thanks. So if we get rid of the urgency, what we're saying subconsciously or consciously is, I don't really need you to get back to me. Uh, I understand that you have your own things going on and that we haven't talked in a while. So if I don't hear from you for two weeks, don't even feel bad about it. That that sort of signals, hey, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not trying to get you to do anything. It'd be great to hear from you, but I'm not really dependent on that. Mm-hmm. That's a very practical yes. um, thing to do. Thanks so much, Jordan. Yes, Jordan, thank yeah, you thanks. as I... As I go forth and uh, network here in Hollywood, <laughs> I, will, I will take these suggestions to heart. It works really well. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful I got a chance to do this. Coming up, I give myself a demerit related to my voice. But first, this break. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. As your kids get older, some things about parenting get easier. They can dress themselves. They can clean up after themselves, allegedly. Other things don't, like having conversations about money. The fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money unless they're actually in charge of it. That's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Yeah, Jack has green light. And one thing I love is that it includes a chores feature where you can set up one time or recurring chores and reward kids with allowance for a job well done. Gretchen, we used to mow the lawn. How much more motivated would we have been if we'd had funds deposited when we completed the hut chore? Mm-hmm. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash happier. That's greenlight.com slash happier to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash happier. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small, and when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Gretchen, when I started my career, therapy really helped me work through all of my stresses so that I was able to concentrate at work and do a good job. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Gretchen Rubin today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Gretchen Rubin. Okay, it's time for Demerits and Gold Stars. And Elizabeth, this is an even-numbered episode, which means it's your turn to give yourself a demerit. Yes. Okay, Gretchen, um, this is about my voice. Now, we have talked about my voice many times. This isn't actually about what it sounds like. This is about the fact that 
a lot of times if I'm talking a lot, especially loudly, my voice or my throat, whatever you want to call it, starts to hurt. And recently I had my friend Amanda, who's a singer on Happier in Hollywood, to give me um, some tools to use to strengthen my voice. Mm -hmm. But what I've realized, and I sort of have realized this again and again over the last five years, which is why it's a demerit, is that I really should go to a voice coach, not forever, but a few times to really help me figure out how to use my voice properly. And even though I keep realizing this anew, I have not gone and done it. Well, I have to say that for a while, I was kind of like, everybody's voice gets hoarse if they talk really loudly for a long time or like your voice sounds totally normal to me. But the fact is you're bothered by your voice. Like it hurts and it, it, it fails you like more than like I experience. I never think about my voice. And the fact that it's for you, this has really turned into something where you're like, this is something I need to fix. So I'm like, clearly it, yes, it's, I do. It's, it's causing you Concern. Well, like, I hate if we have a meetup or something that I know by the end of it, I'll be having a hard time talking. I want to yes. be able to, t I love talking. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to be able to talk for long periods of time and to shout if necessary, because a lot of times we're in loud places yeah. and not worry about my voice failing me. So um, I thought, you know what? I'm going to make this a demerit. I'm going to announce my intention mm. that I, you know, need to get a voice coach and I'm going to do it. I mean, I'm in Los Angeles, for goodness sake. Yes, right. Like, there are many voice coaches. In fact, people have reached out to me over the years offering to help. So anyway, I'm going to do it now. So you're putting it out there to get yourself to have feeling of accountability? Yes. Now, here's a question. Do you want to swap one of your 20 for 20 items. So this mm. is officially, you get the outer accountability of having it be yes. the merit, but also it's on the 20 for 20 list, which I feel like then it's really kind of memorialized in a major way. Is there something you would, you would rather, you would rather do this than that? Yes. And you know what it's going to be, Gretchen? I'm going to swap out the second item on my list, which mm. is plant a vegetable garden ah. because it's been weighing on me because I'm like, there's no way I'm planting a vegetable garden. It's so not happening. And so this way I can just remove it from the list yes. and I'm going to replace it with get a voice coach. Good, good. Win-win. You've got something that yes. yeah, is going to be undone and now this is something that you really want to get yourself to do. Good. Okay, Gretch, what is your gold star this week? Well, I am giving a gold star to the Metropolitan Museum. Because I, you know, because of my Metropolitan Museum experiment, I'm going yes. to the museum every single day that I'm in New York City that it's open. And when you go every single day, you start to know the hours very, very <laughs> well. And the Met stays open until 9 p.m. on Fridays and Saturdays, every Friday and Saturday night. And A, it's great because I have so much more flexibility in my day because yes. I have so much more. But also, there's a whole different vibe if you go at night. Like now, I really want to go at like 7.30 or 8 one time. I've been going later. But it's very, it's like a whole different crowd. There's a whole different vibe. On Friday night, they play music, like live. There's like a live, you know, it's not like they're blaring, you know, right. yeah, you know <laughs> dance music throughout the whole museum, which would be sort of interesting, like maybe <laughs> once. But um, this is like, you know, people are playing instruments on, in the balcony of the Great Hall. So it's just, just a whole different atmosphere. It's really wonderful. And I think for probably a lot of people, they can go late, you know, at, in the evening on Friday and Saturday when they couldn't go other times. And so I just think it's a wonderful th thing that they've committed to having these extra hours to allow, because so many people are there. So many people are taking advantage of it. It's really wonderful. That's great. 
And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Keep a stress diary. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you, what did you learn about your stress? Thank you to our guest, Jordan Harbinger. You can listen to his podcast, The Jordan Harbinger Show, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, our engineer, Bob Tabador, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you've never taken the time to rate, review, or subscribe, this can be your moment. Do it now. We appreciate it so much. And tell a friend about the podcast. The resources for this week. If you are working on your habits, you can download my checklist for habit change at GretchenRubin.com slash resources. It's a one-page chart, and it will help you activate all 21 strategies that you can use for habit change if there's a key crucial habit that you're wanting to master. And if you want to read more about that 21 habit strategies, that's in my book, Better Than Before, which you can get wherever you buy books. And we love talking about our book club picks. If you would like to chat with other podcast listeners about our book club choices, you can follow me on Goodreads and join the Happier Podcast book club group on Goodreads to share your thoughts with other book lovers. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. Elizabeth, where were you when you were on our live tour when you were really worried about your voice? Where were we? Of course, that was in um, Kansas City, Gretch. I oh, had that cold, yes, and I was yes. so convinced I was going to lose yes, my voice. Yes, and yes. then later, you got a cold, and we were worried you were going to lose your voice. Yeah. Because you do sometimes lose it. I, maybe I need to get a voice coach. From the Onward Project. <laughs>